This is Financial Standard, the definitive source of news, thought leadership and analysis for Australian wealth management professionals. Financial Standard. Take the lead. Welcome back to the podcast. We're speaking with Michelle Ciselski from Knight Frank. Uh, we're uncovering the dynamics of luxury residential property market, in, talking about from Sydney soaring prices to recent government policy. Welcome, Michelle. Thank you for having me. Just to kick things off, can you provide us a little bit of an overview of the factors driving the growth in the luxury residential property market? Yeah, look, you know, you, you touched on Sydney there, but it's really happening quite um, globally uh, in terms of a, a, a global wealth trend, um, not only in wealth, but also in, in property. But when we look at the headlines, I guess, that have dominated the past year, you know, we've been talking about surging inflation um, and as a consequence, you know, higher interest rates. But despite these challenges, we're still seeing there's a resistance there from those, um, despite being in, um, uh, you know, quite... Uh, I guess, global headwinds, you would call it, uh, are still investing in residential property uh, around the world. And what about, uh, I mean, Sydney is, though, it is a place that is experiencing quite, it's the topmost city in Australia for residential, uh, luxury residential property growth. So what about those factors that are contributing specifically to Sydney's, you know, high growth in that market? Uh, I think, believe it ranked fifth globally. Yeah, that's right. In terms of our um, global prime residential forecast for 2024, Sydney actually does rank fifth um, with 5% growth forecast for 2024. It's interesting, if you take a step back and look at um, you know, why people do invest in, in property, the, the appeal of property means, I guess, a, a situation where you can diversify and spread your risk. We always know that Sydney has been a safe haven capital uh, centre. From a relative value point of view, it's interesting when we talk about the mainstream market. So, you know, the standard market, um, you know, it is quite expensive on a global platform. But when we're talking about the prestige market or the prime end of the market, where we consider that to be the top 5%, essentially what we see is that we are relatively good for value. Um, you know, we look at some of the astronomical prices that do take place in some of the sales around Sydney. We, we are, you know, on a world platform quite competitive um, when it comes to attracting uh, inquiries. I guess what we've seen more recently is we're not necessarily seeing the transactions that we've seen from international money, but what has really dominated over the past 12 months is just that domestic um, buyer in Sydney buying prestige properties. Uh, it's something that, um, you know, we can talk about the prime market being the top 5%, but when we really take it to that next level of the super prime market, which is really the top 1%, um, it's, it's a very um, fast moving market right now. So there is a noticeable absence of foreign buyers in the current market. You know, how is that impacting the luxury property market? Do you kind of see a change in that trend? I guess it's interesting when we're talking about foreign buyers because essentially the Australian government encourage uh, investment into our country uh, to essentially add to our rental pool. When you look at the kind of numbers that buy, um, uh, you know, properties here in Australia, when it is considered that you must buy a new property. At the moment, we're looking at about, it's 
on average, it's about 10% um, of international buyers in that off-the-plan type product. However, with the recent sort of announcements that they've been talking about tripling the um, the fees for established homes, we're talking about, you know, sort of 4% of that market, that established market being purchased by international buyers. And so, really, there's quite a restriction on who can buy established homes. So, when we look at that tripling of the fee, um, it really is a small portion of the market. When we look at the prestige, prestige and a town, I guess we are always, I guess, drawn to that international bias uh, in terms of wealth. And we assume that a lot of homes are actually being purchased by international, with international money. But really, what we've seen, you know, through the pandemic and and even you know this year in 2023, is we're actually seeing a lot of cash buyers happening locally, and you know whether that's from a, a business, whether it's someone you know um, essentially made a, a really good investment and perhaps listed their company, um, then you know they're coming to some sort of cash, um, and we're seeing a lot of purchases of residential prestige property being purchased with cash. So if we have a look at Sydney, for example, we know there's about 60% of the purchases being made um, at the top end of the market is with cash. If we look at this on a global scale, it's about 52%. And quite interestingly, when we look sort of six months ago, this global stat was 46%. So we're really starting to see, um, I guess on one hand, we've seen, you know, the, the the uh, the follow-on effects from inflation with higher interest rates, but we're also talking about a cohort here who tend to have you know money in the bank and are somewhat benefiting off the higher interest rates. And it's also a situation where we've got, a, I guess, an ageing population, whereas a lot of people are looking at their large standalone home and looking at, you know, perhaps downsizing or what we call right-sizing here at Night Frank, which is downsizing but not compromising on the size, but maybe, you know, letting go of some of those gardens and letting go of some of those extra bedrooms, but making sure that there's still some living space there. And we really simply aren't building enough of this type of stock. So we're really putting a floor under prices when we're talking about the prestige market, where there is quite a pent-up demand from an aging population wanting to right-size or downsize, and essentially not enough stock is actually being introduced into the market. What do you think, though, circling back to those government measures, do you believe they will have any sort of significant tangible impact on the market? I mean, you said that it is quite a small percentage of foreign buyers in the luxury property market. Is this kind of a bit overblown, the sort of impact it will have? I feel that, you know, I guess we can take it back to the the pandemic where we saw, you know, international buyers drop almost completely off the, the radar. What we've seen since that time is we've seen some increasing inquiries and a lot of, I guess, residential purchases tend to take place after there's been a visit to the country. So, we've certainly seen increased tourism. They're not necessarily those types of tourists that translate to buying a property. So, there's a lot of inquiries, there's a lot of activity, but there's not necessarily many transactions that are taking place. So, to introduce this fee at this point in time, I'm not sure it's going to have too much of an impact because I guess the intention of the the government for many years has been to add to the rental pool and to try and, um, I guess, curb that housing affordability conundrum. Uh, And the fact that, I guess, over quite a number of years, we've seen an increase to foreign um, application fees and also taxes across different states. I guess what what it 
comes back to is the fact that we already saw, started to see a lot of international um, investment drop off prior to the pandemic and it went quite, you know, almost to nothing through that pandemic. Has it returned? Yes, we've certainly seen a bit of a somewhat bounce back, but I don't think that can be sustained given the increased um, fees that have taken place. And what we've got to consider too, if we're talking about international buyers, that yes, we, you know, obviously live in Australia and we know all the uh, the attractiveness as to living into our, in our cities around Australia, but we're also competing with other countries that don't necessarily have those fees. So, you know, we're essentially competing with places like the UK and we know that traditionally a lot of international buyers are attracted to Australia for our education, uh, for our universities. And I guess looking at some of the other countries that offer, um, you know, similar or perhaps even more opportunities in that space with less fees, less entry, um, you know, costs of entry, then I think that when we really haven't, I really don't feel like we needed to introduce that tax, except if anything, possibly reduce it so that we were having more properties added to the rental pool. So I think that we're sort of talking about a few different factors here, but at the prestige end of town, I really don't think it's going to make much of a difference. If someone wants to buy a home in our country, they're pretty much in a position to do that and afford the fees. But, you know, when we're talking about a vacancy tax that, you know, that's the, the, the cost of upkeeping a home, we may see more properties as a result of that announcement uh, being added to our rental pool. Just on a final point, you know, what was Knight Frank's long-term outlook for the prime residential market, at least locally? So in Sydney, um, I guess when we look at our outlook um, for the rest of 2023, we actually expect to see 3% growth for the, uh, the prime luxury market in Sydney. When we look at that as a forecast for 2024, as we mentioned earlier, uh, we're expecting that to, to rise to 5% uh, in 2024. It's kind of in line with um, the expectation for uh, the global outlook. Uh, when we look at the global outlook, we we basically have revised our numbers from mid-year to, to now. Um, so when we you know, we asked our researchers around the country in mid-year, our outlook for 2024 was 2.1% as a collective group. Uh, but now looking at it for um, 2024, we're actually expecting this to rise to 2.5% because there certainly has been more confidence coming to the market now that, you know, there's there's some economies um, around the country, uh, sorry, around the world that are, you know, reconsidering their position with uh, interest rates now that, you know, inflation is uh, somewhat being corralled in some countries. Fantastic. Thanks so much for your time today, Michelle. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to this Financial Standard podcast. For more information, visit financialstandard.com.au. Please keep in mind that the information discussed in this podcast is general in nature and does not consider personal circumstances. Reliance should not be placed on any content without further independent financial research and advice. 